Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Allow me this morning to challenge you to a thought. Uh, I love speaking to you because this is a training center. Amen. I think we all understand that here at Rock of Ages, this is a training center, a place of encouragement to do better for God every opportunity we have. And so this morning, never changing that theme and that uh, uh, objective, if you will, from this pulpit, I, I'd like to challenge you to consider uh, this whole environment that we are in today. This is a Christmas and nativity time. Uh, for pretty much the whole world. Of course, there are some that don't celebrate it, but they're very much aware of what's going on universally here in this world. We are celebrating Christmas time uh, during this month of December. And uh, what people do with this day is totally up to their uh, uh, discretion. But this morning, I want to challenge us as believers to do something greater uh, with this whole nativity experience this whole Christmas time that we are uh, uh, spending together. Uh, I've titled my conversation with you this morning for the next few minutes simply this, Christmas the next day. I want you to think about that just for a moment. Christmas the next day. Put your hand over your heart with you and let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning for giving us the privilege, Lord, and the opportunity of being here in this place of worship, Father. Lord, giving us the honor, Lord, and uh, just, again, the, the, the awesome, awesome privilege of being able to mention your name as we worship. Thank you, Lord, that you allow us to lift up holy hands before you, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that you receive the praises of your people because we love you. So incline your ear this morning, Father God. We pray that you are blessed in hearing Father God, what we offer you in worship and praise. And Lord, we pray now as we offer you our hearts. Speak to us, Lord. Encourage us. Direct us. Counsel us. Correct us. Father God, whatever you want to do, Father, only make us the people you need us to be, Lord, to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you for our visitors. Bless them, Father God, and for everyone online. I speak a word of blessing over their lives, Father God, and I thank them for allowing us to to meet with them in their living room, in their homes, in their workplace, wherever they may be watching, Lord, over social media. We bless them and their families today, Lord, as well. In the name of Jesus, we give you thanks. And everyone says, amen. <coughs> Matthew 2 and 10, I'd like to read a couple of scriptures this morning to use as a platform of our conversation as we begin. Matthew 2 and 10 reads as follows. On coming to the house, they saw the child... With his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. They returned to their country by another route. Now obviously this is speaking of the wise men. Luke chapter 2 reads as follows. Verse 17. When they had seen him. They spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. These are the shepherds who had heard an angelic voice speak to them concerning the birth of our Savior. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary 
treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I want to focus myself on this whole nativity experience that we are having during this next couple of weeks. I really enjoy this season, this time of season, and I believe that certainly all the children do because of obvious reasons. Parents, I don't know, after we check our credit cards. But it's a special time nonetheless, and one of the things that I like so much about Christmas season is how many people come together for this occasion. I was telling the church this morning, if you travel right now, or maybe you have during this next week or two, and you're going off to San Antonio or out of town, just in a neighboring city outside and beyond the checkpoint, you'll find an endless line of people. When normally you can pass by maybe two or three minutes, it's going to take you an hour and a half or more to stand in line of <coughs> miles of cars and people. Not only going out of town, <clears throat> but also coming into town. How many families come to visit each other during the holidays? People come from afar and wide to celebrate Christmas with friends in or out of town. Uh, there are some of our families that will making, be making this journey uh, in the next few days. People come again from everywhere. It's a special time to, to receive your loved ones and come over to their homes and eat that special meal that maybe that second turkey for the year after Thanksgiving or maybe even turkey leftovers. I don't know. Certainly special pie and then taking time at whatever hour the family chooses to sit around the living room and, and share with each other tokens of appreciation and gifts towards each other. I love that about Christmas. It's a great time. It's a great feeling. It's fellowship. The warmth of the season really is felt amongst those of us who enjoy it. Something else that's very special that happens on Christmas holidays is that all people, not just us, but all people in this world, people that you meet in the street that you would never suspect, they somehow especially become tender to the meaning of Christmas. If you go to the mall right now, and maybe any off day during the summer, people are different attitudes. And they walk around and dress different, and, and uh, they're shopping, and their faces are more serious. But if you go now, everybody has a sense of, 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 of excitement uh, in their walk and in their smile because they're window shopping. Obviously, there's great joy in, in going to the mall and purchasing these things that you want or for somebody that you love. People somehow become specially conscientious, if you will, of, of religious things uh, during these times because, again, of what Christmas means in general to the whole world. Now, some people ask and wonder if Christmas really means what it means to everybody. Well, I think that everybody knows what Christmas signifies around the world. Now, whether they want to acknowledge it as something special is totally something up to them, their discretion. But I believe everybody knows when you speak about Christmas, religious or not, believer or not, you'll say, well, it's the celebration of this Savior that people say was born. But because of everything that's involved in Christmas and 
the special effects and the things that we do uh, invite people to think about Christmas in a certain way. For example, the, the manger and the baby Jesus. The nativity scene is so popular around the world. The wise men and the star of David that they followed. Uh, they've heard about the mean old Herod. And maybe the virgin birth, again, is something so illogical to the minds of people. The shepherds and all the little animals who were involved in the whole nativity scene. Which, by the way, let me just simply remind you that this coming week, our Sunday service next week will be at 10 o'clock because we are having a nativity scene, a, 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 a play, if you will, a drama that is going to, again, hopefully be of enjoyment to you as we recognize this very special day. But at 10 o'clock next Sunday, use every opportunity to remind you because I know many of you will call, what time? No, I know you won't. But all these things that we see around during these times, all the decor, move our minds and hearts to recognizing this worldwide historical event. And you know what's even more special? And you'll probably laugh at this, but this is a matter of fact. People who never attend church come to church during Christmas. Isn't that something? People who hardly ever come to church will come to church during this special time. And so it's easy to say that maybe for some strange reason, something, even people who are not very conscious of religious things or not very believing in Christ somehow establish a relationship with Jesus even for a day. I read this illustration of a man who was one time complaining uh, right after church and he was among some people and he said, you know, I don't really don't like coming to church. Because every time I come to church, the pastor speaks either of the birth of Christ or the resurrection of Christ. And a little boy standing next to him and kind of tugs on his jacket there. And he says, well, that's because you only come in Christmas and in Easter. But during Christmas, you know, it draws people. I, I tend to say, and I, and I hope and I believe that, that this coming Christmas, we're going to have visitors come to church. Maybe people who really are not accustomed to coming to church, but they're going to come, and and somehow, like I said, in a in a in a in a just a awkward way, they establish some kind of relationship with this Christmas of, of this Jesus of this Christmas that we are celebrating in these days. Now, if we look at uh, the manger scene that we've just read about uh, a couple of minutes ago, we may be able to see some comparisons uh, in that Christmas event. As to what we experience in our world today. The Bible says that people came from afar to visit this manger scene. And the Bible says as well that angels came to celebrate Christmas Day. They brought with them a song and laughter and the good news and glad tidings with their conversation. And filled the air with Christmas music. We're also told in scripture that shepherds came out from the shepherd's field. And kind of like our family comes from outside of town they leave their normal days and, and come and leave their normal responsibilities to come to fellowship during this Christmas time. The Bible also tells us that men of royalty, that is all statures of people in, in the corporate world, if you will, came over on that day, specifically royal men, left possibly their principalities, their thrones, or their governments to come and to visit Christ. And so we have people of all walks of life and all positions in life come to visit us 
during this Christmas time. Pets and families, everybody gathers around during this Christmas time. All because they understand that on this week, during this time 2,000 years ago plus, something divine happened. Something divine happened that inspired him so much to make that extra effort to move out from the natural and usual format of doing things in life and participate together during this time in this once-in-a-lifetime event. But what I want to focus on this morning as we converse together this morning is, is this. The Bible says that when everyone went to that manger scene that day, at the closing of that story, the Bible tells us that everyone who was there went back to their homes. Everybody returned to their normal way of life. The Bible says that though the wise men had been warned by the, an angel of the Lord not to go the same route because Herod was waiting for them, they went different, but nevertheless, they went home. The shepherd boys, the Bible said, went home praising and celebrating Christ because of what they had seen and experienced at that moment. The point is they all went back home. Now, they're just as human as we are. And I'm sure sentiments and feelings are just the same as well. Because it, it'd be maybe a possibility that I could mention to you without going over the edge too much in supposition that maybe some of them may have forgotten after a while what they had experienced in that manger scene. I mean, I, I as a witness, uh, even in my own life, I, I see in my own life sometimes when Christmas season comes, it changes me and it gets me excited. I can't wait to see the joy in my grandchildren when my wife and I do what we can to celebrate with them. And we sit down and we, we rehearse the whole Christmas story and we sit under uh, 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 next to that tree in the living room and it's nice and warm and we're making that special meal. It's a great time. It changes us. It changes me. Doesn't it change you? People seem to be happier doing the Christmas at times. But what happens the day after? That's the question of the hour that I believe the Lord would have us all to at least consider and try to answer. After the singing, after the gift giving, after the religious experience, after the Christmas play at church, after the sharing and participating and the sharing of gifts and maybe sharing a cup of coffee with a good beloved friend, what happens when you go home and you put your lights down, you take that tree down, take all your lights, wrap them up, put them in the boxes again for storage to wait for another year if God wills it. But what happens to us? What happens when you and I go back to where we were before Christmas came? I made the assumption that maybe some of those in that manger scene may have forgotten the impact of that whole nativity experience they all went through. And I dare to say that sometimes I believe for us it can be the same thing. This whole sense of giddiness and, and happiness that we experience during Christmas. Uh, please correct me. Maybe it's not you, but I know it's me and, at times. And it might be someone else in this church today that after Christmas, everything goes back to blah. To the same thing. 
go back to work, go back to responsibility. The shepherds went back to shepherding. The, the wise men went back to governing their physicians. Everybody went back. And so you and I go back to our jobs. We go back to family. We go back to taking the trash out. We go back to responsibilities. We go back to the pressures of work. We go back to all these things. And all of a sudden, that Christmas experience is faded off into the gray wall of yesterday. What happens to Christmas? What happens to you after Christmas? That's the question of the hour. You know, there's a story, an illustration that I read a while back of a man who was standing outside of his house and next to his barn, he had a beautiful barn that was well prepared. It was warm. It was nice. The little animals that lived there were very comfortable. He made sure that they were good. And it was a horrible winter, frosty, snowing morning. And it was absolutely cold. But he was outside observing how the snow was coming down. And as he looked to heaven, he saw a flock of birds. And when he saw those birds, he saw how they were flying against the wind and the snow. And, and he was compelled in his heart to, to do something to reach out to those birds. And, and he knew he had a big barn where those birds and more could all come and perch inside and be warm away from that killing cold that they were out flying in. And so what he did, he ran to his barn house and he opened the door. And when the birds would pass by, he'd go, Come in, come in, come in. But they would just fly over the door and around the building just in circles. And they never could understand what this man was trying to compel them to do. And in his frustration, he looked at them again. He said, don't you understand what I'm saying? Come in. You're going to die in the cold. It's too cold for you, little birds. Come in. And they would not respond and in, in desperation, he, he thought to himself, how can I get these little birds to understand me? He said, oh, the only way I believe is if I would come a, become a bird myself. That way I could speak their language and tell them how warm it is inside my barn house. They don't have to be subject to this horrible climatic threat outside where they're in. You know, when I read that illustration, it makes me think of Christmas and I think about the Lord in the Old Testament and ever since creation, how the Lord in his heavenly language has tried everything he could to compel men, those he led, his people, to come into the, his barn house of salvation. To get away from the killing colds of sin and the world. As we try and you can read history over history over every book that we have historically in the Bible. How the Lord compels and does everything he can within his power to be able to compel humanity to respond to his call of salvation. But just like that farmer that day, we see him fail over and over. People just simply seem to go around the door and fly around the building and never come in. But 2,000 years ago, like that farmer, God did what that farmer couldn't do. That farmer could never turn himself into a bird, could never become a bird to speak their language. But what the Lord did do, that he became a man just like you and I. And on that day, in that beautiful manger, the Lord would come and change everything for us. 
He came in human form, ladies and gentlemen, to speak our language. To be able to speak in a language that you and I can understand to compel us all to come in to his warm barn house called salvation. So that you and I don't have to be exposed to the killing coals of sin in this world. He's been trying to do that since the beginning. Christmas is a very powerful time. Now my question to you as well is, is it possible that such an important thing, such an important gesture from God be so easily forgotten the way we've forgotten it over the years? You know, I'm 64 years old, and I may not remember the first two or three Christmases, but I do know that from five years old or so, I began to remember some of the Christmas. And, and trust me, at 64 years old, I've been through quite an amount of Christmases. I, I think 60 is, is, how many Christmases have you celebrated, Pastor? Well, 64 to be sure because I was alive, but conscious, probably a good 59, 60 years, I remembered celebrating Christmas. And now when I grew up more, I've celebrated more Christmas conscientiously, if you will, in my adult years. And I have indeed noticed, this is why I can preach this so easily, because I'm speaking about what happens to someone normal like me. You can have such a warm time during Christmas because you understand all of a sudden you're brought back to consciousness of what all of this means, of what Jesus came to do. How the world was absolutely changed at the birth of this Savior. Of how the Lord so dynamically and supernaturally became like me to be able to speak as I do so that I might understand his message of salvation. Everything. How he drew the people from all walks of life and all statures in the corporate ladder. All the way from people that shepherded out in the fields to people that were in the hierarchy and in government. He called everybody. Even the angels took time to come and sing a song to the newborn king. Could something like that ever be so forgotten? Again, I say to you, the answer many times is yes. Because I promise you that after this Christmas, many of us will go back to life as normal. Whatever problems you had this past year, whatever burdens, whatever heartaches, whatever misunderstandings, whatever ever you had that weighed you down in your heart, you will come back and pick up on January 1st. And what happened to Christmas the next day? All of a sudden, everything Christmas was meant to be is faded off again into hopefully another year where you may have another chance to, to be happy at least for a couple of weeks. What would the Lord have this day mean to us? I believe if we ask the Lord, Father, what do you want Christmas to mean to us? I mean, is it supposed to be a long-lasting experience? And the Lord would have to say yes. When, Jesus, when the Lord sent his son, he came to change everything, ladies and gentlemen. He came to give us opportunities. He came to give us a life that was absolutely so different to the life that the humanity was living right before that manger scene. This coming Christmas, this next couple of weeks that we'll be sharing, God is reminding you of the greatness of the birth of a Savior. To remind you that that joy that He brings, you know how we sing joy to the world. 
Sadly, it's just become nothing but words and rhythm and music. Because there's no heartfelt truth to that to us. Because really, you and I know that there really is no joy in this world. For many of us, life has been nothing but bitter. You and I have gone through crushing experiences this past year. Things that have come to mark your heart in ways that are so difficult for you to endure. But yet, you carry those things all year. And here comes Christmas. And what many of us do is we take those burdens that we've been carrying through the year and we lay them down here on the side because there's going to be a Christmas play and we decide to enjoy that for a moment. Or we're burdening our lives and we leave our burdens in the car. We come to church and we celebrate with pastor and the church of the good things that God has done. But you only go back to your car, saddle up all the junk again, and you continue in your journey called life. If we ask the Lord... Father, is this what Christmas was supposed to mean? The Lord would easily, quickly say to you, no, it's not. Christmas came with a lasting effect for all of us, ladies and gentlemen. Christmas should come to remind us of truths that the Lord came to do and provide for us when it was different all the way before. So what would Christmas mean to us if you ask God, if you ask the Lord, what would you have it mean to us? One, I believe that he would believe, want us to all be encouraged to look at Christmas as an opportunity of new beginnings. New beginnings. We, we talk about New Year's as a time of new beginnings. I'll be speaking to you about resolutions and things that we can do this coming year to be able to change our life for the better. But really, the new beginnings begin in the manger, not in the new year. The moment of new beginnings begin in the manger. How I pray that all of us, ladies and gentlemen, the day after Christmas, we would have decided to let all the things behind us that have hindered us from truly loving God in the deepest level, to let them by the wayside, all the burdens that you've been carrying for so many years, that you decide to push them aside and say, I'm going to leave them back here because Christmas is here. It's a day of new beginnings for my life. That's what the Lord has come to institute for me. To let them go. To let all the things behind that we've been carrying so many Christmases passed. Christmas has become a temporary opiate for so many people. Kind of like taking a Tylenol during Christmas time and say, well, my head doesn't hurt that bad. Why? Because at least we've got all these people around here. They're entertaining me from all the bitterness that I normally live without and outside of Christmas. But that's not what Christmas was meant to be. You see, Christmas is more internal than it is exterior. Exterior. Christmas is more than a visible nativity scene. It's Christmas Christ born in our hearts. It's an internal joy. When they spoke joy to the world, they weren't talking joy to the world because not all the world will ever believe in God. But he was speaking of joy and glad tidings. He was speaking to our personal hearts. This is joy for you. If Christ is in your heart, he's come to bring a lasting joy, not a seasonal joy. How I pray that this next day after Christmas would come to change everything all about us. Now you need to remember that the angel said to you, I bring you glad tidings and great joy. I know that back then, during those uh, manger days, the world needed good news. And today, in our world today, 
We need good news as well. But not only does the world need good news, but sometimes in our hearts we need good news too. How many can agree with me this morning? We need good news. There's so much bad news. Right now I'm praying uh, for a good friend of mine and his precious wife. And my heart has been bleeding for the past few days. More than that, but certainly now, this past couple of days, one of my best friend's wife uh, was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And they ran off just a couple of weeks, two, three weeks ago to MD Anderson in Houston. At the counsel of many of us who said, go, uh, they're cutting edge. There's, there's good medicine up there, go. And, and, and they listened and, and took the sacrifice and they went and they went up there and they gave themselves over for the care of all these professional people who are absolutely excellent, excellent, excellent medical doctors up in MD Anderson. And I talked to him daily. And just a couple of days ago, I spoke to him. I said, how are we doing? He said, we're going home. I said, you're going home? Like, are we good? He goes, no. They couldn't do a thing. And so yesterday they flew home. What did they come flying home for? For the worst part of this whole experience. They're expecting her to maybe not see Christmas together as a family. Can you imagine the heartache? It, it broke my heart. This world is filled with bad news, ladies and gentlemen. It, this world is filled with things that are deteriorating to our hearts and our minds. Things that hurt so bad. Scar, they come to scar your heart so bad. How is it possible that we could leave something behind that has come to heal all of that deep within us? Every single one of us, and not only him, but we know more. I could give you more testimonies of friends of mine and people that call me all the time to get prayed for because they're going through real tough times right now during this Christmas season. All with, with, with my point trying to tell you that everybody, if we live just a few more weeks, we're, someone's going to hear bad news. Amen? Someone's bound to hear bad news in the next 30 days. Somebody. Going to be you or me. Because that's, the, that's what, consists, this what the world consists of. But when Jesus came and was born, he came to give us hope beyond that. Every single one of us in this place have had plenty of bitter experiences and circumstances that have come to scar our lives and our hearts. Things that have happened in the past and sometimes not only just recently but years ago that we're still being scarred and hurt with. But when Jesus came and we received Christ as our Savior, he changed everything. You remember that very popular passage, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. That means that everything changes. When Jesus came, he came to change everything. Let Christmas, the next day after Christmas, ladies and gentlemen, take the challenge to mark for you a time and day that reminds you that God came to fill you with new mercies and new beginnings. That you can indeed leave behind the bitterness of yesterday because today a Savior is born. Today the answer for our pain is born. Leads me to the next point, new mercies. New beginnings and new mercies. 
Listen to what John the Baptist says when he looked at Christ coming towards him that day. John 1 and 29 says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, when the angel said on that day, I bring you glad tidings, they were saying to us, listen, God has filled you with mercies today. God had decided to love you in spite of. You know, he told Joseph, the father, the carnal father of Christ, the husband of Mary. Joseph heard that Mary was to have a child. And back in those days, anyone who would be accused of sexual immorality or being unified with a woman without being wed, uh, that was surely the cause to take that particular person or couple out to the city gates and to stone them to death. So it would be obvious that Joseph was concerned when he heard that Mary was pregnant. And so the Bible tells us that silently and hiddenly he tried to separate themselves from, from that association so to spare their lives. And as he was doing that, the Bible says <coughs> that the angel of the Lord came to him and said, Joseph, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm very much aware of what's going on here. This is not about you. This is about the spirit of the Lord. This is God doing something for the world. Take this woman. Make her your wife. She's going to have a son. And in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 says, She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Think about that for a second. You know what that means? It means forgiveness. Nobody likes to live their life under the thumb of condemnation. It has driven people mad to think that they are guilty of something. People sometimes make it their profession to prove to somebody and to consistently badger them on their condemnation for sure. You're a bad individual. Sometimes parents do that to children. Wives to husbands and husbands to wives and friends to friends. Always condemning. Condemning is such a horrible place to be. It has led people so many times to end their lives. So it's a terrible place to live. It's a terrible place to be in a world of accusation. But on that day, ladies and gentlemen, that Jesus was born, he came to say, I love you in spite of. While the world may condemn you, I'm here to offer you new mercies. That's why the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that though yet we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's why Paul said, what could separate us from the love of God? He loved us so much to give us an opportunity to sense and to feel his forgiveness. In that day... In that manger nativity scene 2,000 years ago, the shepherds understood the message. The wise men understood the message. Joseph understood the message. Mary understood. I believe even the little animals were that were there. Certainly the angels understood the message of mercy. 
They understood that at that moment, in that manger, what laid there, what God's grace and favor and love for humanity, all wrapped up in swaddling clothes. So if we see these people believe that message, ladies and gentlemen, I challenge you this morning, why can't we believe that message? Why can't we believe that God loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son? Why can't we believe that Christmas marks the day when God's grace and mercy came to visit us. Though we were unmerited and the undeserving of such, God decided to give us a Savior. And being such an important day, is it possible that you and I could dismiss Christmas this coming next few weeks and on January 1st, the new year, walk out as if we have received nothing? Let the next day after Christmas be the day you wake up knowing that you are forgiven and loved by God. That regardless of the world that may accuse you of whatever they think you're guilty of, know that your father has found you innocent. He gave us a savior to fulfill that truth. Lamentations 3 and 22, listen to what the writer says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Then he seems to exclaim and say, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning. New mercies I see, all I have needed, my God has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. His mercy, His mercy, His mercy. Let this Christmas not just pass by that causes you to, and cause you to forget that you are loved beyond measure. That Jesus came to live a forever imprint and mark and proof that we are a loved people. Enough that God surrendered his greatest gift, his only begotten son. Let the next day of Christmas be an opportunity to better worship him and serve him. I think it's time, ladies and gentlemen, as we see the day approaching, that we take inventory, you and I. It's time. We are mature people. It's time to take personal inventory of our lives. And examine ourselves for this past year. What we have done to worship him. What we have done to better serve him. How can we prove in that our life in Christ truly is from glory to glory. The psalmist said in 145, Psalm 145 and verse 2. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Not just in December. 
not just around the nativity scene, not just while everybody else was singing Christmas carols, not while the pastor was preaching, not while worship was going on, not for the hour and a half we've been called to fellowship here at Rock of Ages, not for that moment, forever and ever. Forever and ever. That means that the day after Christmas is no different than the day of Christmas. That the day after your salvation is just like the day you are saved. To praise the Lord and extol His name forever and forever and ever. We can't walk away from Christmas anymore like we have the other 60 years that I've experienced Christmas. And walk away as if I've learned nothing from that special day. That I have gained nothing for myself to better love the Savior that was come to born for my sake. Second Corinthians 3 and 18 reads as follows. And we who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness. Listen to this. With ever increasing glory. King James Version says from glory to glory. That means it's a propelling forward. It means that you are advancing every day. That means that you're moving from one place to another. How many Christmases have we gone through? And we remain in the same place as we were before that Christmas. There is no advancing. Charles Spurgeon said one time, my friend, if you find yourself to tomorrow where you are today, you have backslidden. If you find yourself tomorrow in the same place you are today, you have backslidden. Why would he say that? Because today we're here. Tomorrow we're supposed to propel forward. We're supposed to grow. Can we not look at our lives, ladies and gentlemen, you and I, today, this Christmas time, and take again an inventory, introspect our hearts and say, Lord, what I have done for you this year is the last time I will do that for you. Because this year I'm going to do more for you. The depth of my worship that I experienced this past year was only at this level. But this year I commit to pursue you more to get into a deeper level of worship and praise. If I have served you in this position at this, at this place this year, I plan to indulge myself more and to bury myself more in a deeper service for you. From glory to glory. Now we know, ladies and gentlemen, that, that works are not what give you salvation. We are not saved by works, the Bible teaches us, and we believe that. Amen? Let me read that to you. Ephesians 2 and 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. It is my gift that the Lord has given me. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. He gave it to me. That's what Christmas is all about. The gift giving. He gave us the gift of salvation. It's not because you earned it, you worked for it, or I pastored this many years for it. No. 
I could never earn my salvation. Nothing. There are words in Scripture that teach us that all the contrary, the works that I do in my flesh are as filthy rags unto the Lord. There's nothing I could offer Him to purchase the blood on the cross. Nothing I could do to purchase the price that He paid when He died on Calvary. Nothing. Nothing I could do to motivate the heart of God to surrender His most precious Son. His only begotten Son. For me, no, nothing. I could still serve the Lord this life and a life over and still do nothing, gain nothing to gain salvation for myself. But this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that any man could boast. For we are God's workmanship, though. See, the Lord never develops anything that's going to be of no good service. He's never built, if he was a mechanic, he'd never build an engine that wouldn't start. You understand that? He would never design a car that wouldn't run. He's not that kind of a builder. Everything he builds produces. That's why his name is life. Because everything he touches produces. He said, but we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. So here's the point. That while works are not what release salvation unto us. Works are the result of salvation. It's because we are saved. That we should desire to serve him and worship him more at a closer distance. It's time. This Christmas, let's not let this Christmas pass us by without examining ourselves and to see if we are giving God the results he was expecting to receive from us as we received his son. You know, the Lord is always doing new things for us. Have you ever found yourself in such a position, dire straits, that you don't know how you're going to get out, but all of a sudden God makes a way? Isn't that right? He always makes a way. I could tell you some strange things that I can only say it had to be God because other than that, it would be kind of spooky. But God is always making a way for us. Even if it seems strange at the eyes of someone, how did that happen? I don't know. All you can do is raise your hand and say, thank you, Jesus. I don't know what you did, how you did, but I'm glad you did. But he's always doing new things. Isaiah 43, 19 says, see, I am doing a new thing now. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? Don't you see what I'm doing? He said, I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. He's always doing new things for us. So is it not right in our relationship to love him back by us looking at things we can do that are new for him? Well, this year I served him this way, but this year I'm going to serve him this way. I used to worship him this way, and this was the level of where I was at. But I'm going to press toward more, and I'm going to worship him more at a deeper level. Do a new thing for God. What has God done for us? Just in case you ask, he's given us a new heart. Amen? A new spirit, new inheritance, new covenant, new home, new promises. A new life, a new way of living. And you know what the Bible says in the book of Revelation? One day he's going to give us a new name. Huh, Pastor? He's going to give us a new name. Always doing new things. So can we not 
Look at our hearts and say, Lord, I want to serve you in a deeper way. Let this next day after Christmas be the marking day when you run towards a deeper knowledge of Christ and worship him at a deeper level. And finally this morning, ladies and gentlemen, something very important that I believe the Lord would never have you walk away from this Christmas without considering. That that manger scene, that humble manger scene, was the marking day of his return. Amen? The marking day of his return. That's when the clock began to tick. You and I are on a time schedule. Second Peter chapter 3 kind of describes the world we're living in today. And not only then, but not only back then, but certainly today. Listen to what it says. First of all, 2 Peter 3, verse 3. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffing, following, and following their own evil desires. And they will say this. Where is this coming that he promised? Have you ever heard that question? Where's the coming of the Lord? You religious fanatic. You that go to church every Sunday. You that are a participant in this religious circle. Where is the Savior that you've been talking? Oh, Jesus is coming. Yeah, where? Where? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Where is this God? If you're going to be honest, what will your answer be? I don't know. Does anybody know when Jesus is coming? I know this. I know a lot of people have taken a gander to, to try to estimate his arrival. I remember growing up, uh, Jesus was supposed to come four or five, six times. Yes? I remember in the 70s. Some of you weren't even here those years. I remember in the 70s, in 1972. After the Vietnam War, all these things that happened, it was a horrible time. And we saw all the evil that was going on, the bloodshed, the loss of our boys and girls. The terrible thing. And then 72 is coming. And someone said, Jesus is coming. It's got to be. This whole war, this whole thing that's gone on, it's marking the 70s. Is, that's the day of rest. That's the day the Lord stops everything. Jesus coming. So, man, everybody, I promise you, we weren't, I mean, my mom was a Christian and, and my dad and whatever. We weren't as kids. But even us, we kind of. Who's this coming? But he only had waited for a season and it would never happen. And then 77 or 78, again, we had somebody else say he's coming. And then when the 80s came, now those were evil days. That was a new generation. That's when all this new kinds of music came on and all these people started dressing and the kids started going all these crazy things. They said, surely evil has completely unraveled itself and you'll never see the 80s. Jesus is coming and And he never came. And then Y2K came. Every computer's gonna shut down. Remember? <laughs> you better get the money out of the bank because once the computer loses how much you had, the ten dollars, you're gonna lose them. <laughs> you know, you had all that money you were supposed to tithe, you never tithe. God's gonna take it in one computer blow. 
<coughs> Surely God's coming. Y2K. That's it, man. That's the marking day the Lord told me. Well, it's 223 now. Never came. But why has it not come? Well, we know the scripture tells us he's patient, wanting everybody to repent. But the reason we can't guess is because we don't know. Jesus doesn't know. Remember, they were standing at the outskirts of Bethany when Jesus was going to be taken back to the right hand of the Father. They said, when are you going to come back and do these things, restore these things? He said, don't ask me. That's the Father. He's the only one. That, he's the one that's got the clock. And so what do you say to people when they say, where is this Jesus, young people? Where is this Jesus? You know what my theological answer is? The smartest answer, and I believe the most absolutely correct answer you could give anybody. I'll say to them, I don't know when he's coming. But after today, these 24 hours, he'll be one day closer. He will be one day closer. That you can take to the bank. I may not know what day, but if today passes... And it's 24 hours, 12 midnight tonight, and we strike it to a new day by God's will. It'll be one day less before he comes. Jesus is coming soon. When? I don't know. But we have to keep the soon part deep in our hearts. Because he can come at any moment. And when did this clock begin to tick? The day he was born. You know how they say of us in humanity, when the baby is born, he begins to die at that moment. Isn't that the truth? That's when death begins to, because they grow up, obviously. I was a baby once, believe it or not. There was babies back in my day. And when I was born, I was headed this way. And if... I wait a little bit longer, this day is going to take me closer to the closing of this chapter called life in my life. And so when Jesus was born, the moment he was born, you begin to hear in the spirit. And in time. The day is coming when the Lord will finish all his work. After this Christmas, let this Christmas remind you that the Lord started his time watch in Bethlehem that day. Now, there are people in this world, as I conclude, who are racing with that time or against that time. You can't stop the clock of God. So there are those who are racing against it who will say, let me live a little bit longer and wait till tomorrow when I'm a little older and then I'll come to him and receive him as Savior. I'll receive the whole major scene scenario. But then all of a sudden the Lord's clock will finish at an unexpected hour as the scripture says, and to them it will be a great time of calamity and darkness and despair. Why? Because they miscalculated the time of God. And then there's the other group, and that's you and I. I pray it's you and I, if you're saved. Those of us 
who will say unto the Lord, even so today, Lord, I don't care what minute, I don't care what hour, I don't care if it's day or night, weekend or week, you can come whenever you want because I am ready for your return. I believe that that's what the Lord wants us all, where he wants us all in our positions to be waiting for him. To know that on that manger scene, though you walk away from it, and it'll be July, and you're six months away from this past December, the clock is still ticking. Don't forget that. Let this Christmas mean more to you than just gifts. Let this Christmas mean more to you than just adorning your house and a Christmas beautiful tree. Let it mean more to you than shopping at the mall and finding all those specials. Let it be mean, mean more to you than standing in that line of all the returns. It's got to mean more. Christmas, the next day. Let Christmas remind you this year. That 2,000 years ago, the Lord gave us an opportunity for new beginnings. Let Christmas this year, the next day, continue to remind you daily that the Lord came and brought you new mercies. Let Christmas this year, the next day, remind you of your responsibility and your desire to worship Him and serve Him at a deeper level. Let Christmas this year, the next day, remind you that the clock is ticking. Jesus is coming. And if by chance this year there's no Christmas tree, gift under the tree for you, just remember that though the world may have forgotten you this Christmas, Jesus remembered you this Christmas 2,000 years ago. And he gave to you and to me the greatest gift anyone could ever receive, a Savior for our soul. Would you stand to your feet today? Christmas, the next day. Let Christmas the next day be a time of consecration, sanctification, praying, fasting, reading, cleansing, and preparing for the King's arrival. Jesus is coming, ladies and gentlemen. This time, he's not coming in a manger. <laughs> he's not coming in swaddling clothes. He's not coming to be nurtured by his mother. He's not coming to be trained by his father. He's not coming to run the streets of Jerusalem and play with the kids as he was growing until ministry. He's going to come as the king of glory. Today, a savior is born. Can you say amen? Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.